This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. You're not cheating on your wife if you eat my lemon square. Your lemon squares taste like ass. Okay, welcome back to Horror Queers. We are delighted to be speaking with the author of House of Psychotic Women, Kayla Janice. How are you doing, Kayla? Hi. Fantastic. So... Kayla, maybe we can start this off by just have you walk us through, for those who are unfamiliar with the book, what is House of Psychotic Women? Well, it is a book that I came out with in 2012, and it is, well, the sub the, the tagline of the book is an autobiographical topography in horror and exploitation films. And so what that translates to is basically it's a book that uh, looks at different presentations of feeling, uh, but it's autobiographical. So it also has, it sort of uses a lot of anecdotes and stories from my own life uh, as a means of navigating the films and vice versa. So it was kind of an unusual structure when it came out. Um, and then the book also has like a massive appendix at the end that is uh, just hundreds of movies that kind of fit the the barometer the you know or the parameters of this book you know like 500 word capsule reviews of various movies alphabetically so it's also a reference book in addition to being a memoir so this was my first time reading the book and i think um i was simultaneously shocked and delighted uh with the amount of personal i mean as you said it's autobiographical there's a lot of very personal information in this book i was actually just wondering so how did you negotiate the 
personal and private storytelling components within the analysis? And was there ever a time where you debated how much of your life you wanted to put into this book? Yeah, I mean, like when I first started working on it, it wasn't even going to be personal. It was just going to be kind of like a book of essays about different films. Oh, and okay. as there started, there started to be more and more writing. You know, like one of the things I had always had in my back pocket as a writer was that I had access to a lot of obscure movies because I used to mail order a lot and stuff. But then as, you know, d the DVD explosion happened, which happened like as I was working on the book, you know. And so mm -hmm. all of a sudden, a lot of these more obscure films started to become available blogging became a thing online so other, other people also writing about a lot of these films and you know, so I had to think of like some other films that would be unique or else I didn't see the point in doing it and so then when I thought of doing it from a personal perspective which was the thing that was suggested to me by some friends you know I was resistant to it at first but so I but I started doing it that way and I just realized quickly that saying oh i relate to this character uh because you know i also have mental health issues or something like that it just wasn't sufficient like if you were writing right. an essay academically you have to support your thesis <laughs> you right. know like you can't just say <laughs> this is what it is because it is you know I, I i knew that i had to kind of support that claim like if i was going to say i relate to these characters i had to kind of show why and i had to show kind of more specifically why because that was how the book started was that i related to these types of characters and films and i was repeatedly drawn to these types of films and i kind of wanted to know why and mm -hmm. so that was kind of like how the book started and so i couldn't really dig into why unless i brought a lot of personal stuff into it and you know, when I when I first sent it to my publisher, I was really worried that he would reject it because when we had first started talking about me doing the book, it was supposed to be a book of essays about the movies. Like there was never any talk about there being right. a personal aspect to it. Um, and so luckily when I submitted it to him, he really liked it. He wasn't sure he would know how to market it <laughs> because yeah. he was, you know, he typically <laughs> like film history <laughs> books, you know, um, but it ended up, it ended right. up working. So so I'm I'm grateful to Fab Press that they actually took that chance back in 2012. So can you tell us what the initial reception was like for the book? Because you're right, it is very distinct and unique compared to what a lot of other texts are doing. So how was it received when it first came out? And then can you tell us how that has changed over the years? When it was first received, it was it was really only in the horror press, mm -hmm. you know, like it was kind of um it would get reviews from blogs and from occasionally bigger horror press, but it was still very much limited to the genre world. Um, but it was, okay. but it was all positive. There were there, I did read a, f a few bad reviews and most of them, I agree with everything that they had a problem with, but <laughs> our faces are like, no, 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 <laughs> the book is great. And those people are wrong. <laughs> Well, there was just things like, you know, certain writers would say the structure didn't work for them. It seemed my, my transitions were clunky, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or that I was too melodramatic and like, oh, woe is me, whatever. And I'm just like, okay, wow. that's fine. I can see that, you know. But most of the reviews were good. That's really so. interesting, though, because honestly, uh, because you go into such depth about, again, your, your, your struggles with mental health and just life events you've experienced, I actually got the exact opposite reaction. It felt very... I don't want to say um, uh -huh. like detached, 
but it was just very matter of fact. I didn't get a what was me aspect from the book. Okay, well, thank you. I mean, I did try to be kind of like matter of fact about it. And I even tried to be like, in some cases, funny about it, because some of the things are mm -hmm. some of the things are funny to me in hindsight, you know. But yeah, yeah, so the reviews were generally good, but it was still really limited to kind of horror press where it really kind of got more attention, even more than the press was from film programmers. So like mm. film programmers, oh. I would credit with the book having any visibility at all because film programmers uh, looked at it and they were like, oh, this would make the basis for a great film series. And so right. then, you know, yes. different uh, festivals around the world, different theaters all over the place started doing these kind of mini retrospectives of films. And they had like 200 films they could pick from in the book at the time. So they had great fun choosing which films they would play. So all the programs were, were different from each other. Um, but that was really how the book got any visibility was because film programmers started doing these series that were called like House of Psychotic Women film series. And they would invite me to come there and and sell the books, you know, so that was that was more how it how it got into the public consciousness, I think, than from the actual press, because it didn't really get that much press. It was not nominated for even a Rondo, you know, mm -hmm. so it wasn't really that that visible. And so, and I think the first kind of crossover mainstream press I got was in like 2016 when like the LA Review of Books wrote about it. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't written about the way that, you know, books tend to yeah. be reviewed by the book section of the paper or the magazine or whatever. It was really not the, the sort of literature departments of these organizations that were looking at my book at all. So what, um, because we're doing the 10 year anniversary of this outside of that monumentous occasion, what made you want to come back and, and update this text? I think it was really that there's so, there were so many movies in the last 10 years that fit, you know, the categorization of, of the book, you know, mm -hmm. and because there, there, there's a hundred new movies that I added to the new edition, but I could have easily added a hundred more if I'd mm -hmm. had more time to write, you know? Right there were so many made in the last 10 years that it was almost like there were as many as there had been in the entire history of cinema like, <laughs> up to that point, you know? And, and then not only that, but there was way more that were directed by women. And so right. I thought that was important to acknowledge too, because, you know, like a lot of the films in the book are directed by men and mm -hmm. that's not a disparagement at all. Obviously I relate deeply to these films and that's why I was writing about them, you know, but I wanted to see what, you know, what are the, what is, what does, what does a female director or writer bring to this? Like in terms of like, is there a different perspective? And I definitely feel like there is more of a, uh, there's definitely more stories about like female interiority where it's really just mm. like, what a woman goes through in her own mind and the kind of like daily hostilities she has to navigate through. And, you know, you do get a, a slightly different perspective when it's coming from a woman. And there right. was, yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge that, you know, there was for a long time, men telling these stories of women having a nervous breakdown. And now <laughs> there were women telling those stories about themselves. And so obviously they're bringing a different experience to it. And so I felt like the 10th anniversary was kind of a good excuse mm -hmm. to kind of bring some of those movies into the book. 
I was actually, I mean, just looking at like just like the kind of landscape over the past 10 years, I was wondering if you thought the the Me Too movement um, affected how the book has maybe been received or like, as you said, like female interiority, like they're, they're kind of like more open to these concepts and getting female directed films about this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's, I think in terms of there being more opportunities and visibility for female directors, like that's mm -hmm. definitely been a, a positive outcome of Me Too and hopefully it will continue. But I think the, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think it, I like, I, I honestly don't think it's like Me Too that made women start making these types of films. Right. You know, because there's a lot of women I know who like just want to direct action movies and Westerns and stuff, you know? Sure. Um, but I think it was, I, I definitely got a lot of women who wrote to me over the years and said that they wanted to make the kind of movie that was in my book, you know, mm. like that they actually had read the book and had started thinking about an idea for a movie because of all the types of films that are in my book. And they were just mm -hmm. like, you know, I really like these kinds of films too. And I want to make a film like this, you know, like somebody like Jill uh, Gevarzigian who made oh, the yeah. stylist you know, is one of these people that sort of let me know that the book had been really important to her. So I, so I think that in some ways the book did galvanize things like it, it sort of created an umbrella. It created an, a, a framework that a lot of directors, you know, and men and male directors too, you know, could look mm -hmm. at and, and be like, yes, I want a film. I want one of my films to be in that canon, you know, Right. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. So you, you've talked about how there have been so many new movies that you could have included over these last 10 years and how, you know, had you had more time, you would have included some of them. But you've also said that that horror and exploitation subtitle has kind of like held back the inclusion of other films that you might have considered. Uh, would you ever consider dropping that subtitle and then republishing it with different titles? Or would that just be a completely separate book that you might consider pursuing in the future? I mean, I did, I actually considered it even for this edition, you know, right. like I considered dropping that, you know, but then the problem would be that there'd be 300 horror movies and 20 non-horror movies <laughs> and it would, be, it would be unfairly balanced, you know? So I thought, okay, it's definitely the kind of thing if it, if it were to happen, it would have to happen in the future and it would take like much more work, much more writing, much more research um, so that it, so that it actually is balanced and it isn't just mostly horror movies mm -hmm. but at the same time you know it's sort of like okay I've done two editions of this book now and 
there's other writers who are kind of working in this realm, you know, who are dealing with mental mm -hmm. health issues and horror and feminism and all this stuff. And so in some ways, I think, well, maybe one of those, you know, maybe one of those writers should have the opportunity to do that book, you know, instead of me, and I'll go do something else. <laughs> so kind of a spinoff question of that, because you mentioned in the foreword, you know, about like, you know, what you updated in the book, pretty much it was all in the appendix, and you didn't add any extra text to the actual book portion itself. I was, but you do mention some things that have happened to you in the past 10 years, some of your experiences. And I was wondering if there was a reason why you didn't decide to include those things, like the events of your life of the past 10 years and link those two films that you were adding in the appendix. I mean, part of it was because uh, when you write a book as personal as this, there are good and bad things that happen because of it. You know, mm -hmm. like there are good things in the sense that other people come up to you and they say that it really affected them and really resonated with them and it helped them through something difficult, you know? And mm -hmm. so there's, there's good things that come out of it. There's opportunities that come out of it, but there's also, um, opportunities for other people to manipulate you and to use some of those personal things against you. And, mm. you know, oh. like I had hateful emails from total strangers and stuff and I yeah I just I had some bad stuff happen that I just was like I didn't want to put myself out there anymore unfortunately very yeah, yeah. That, that, that that is unfortunate actually but um nevertheless I, I I do appreciate everything that you have put in this book because I think it's very very important and necessary thank you yeah, we find your your candidness and your sort of willingness to be open about things. It's not just that it helps to like contextualize or even frame some of these movies, but it allows a more personal entry point for audiences like readers to say, oh, you know what, I, I wouldn't have been interested in this rape revenge film or no, I don't want to watch this obscure foreign film. But, you know, when you can kind of see where it's intersecting with a real person, that makes it yeah. more like, oh, I, I kind of do want to seek that out now. Well, it's also normalizing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay, we've got a couple questions left and then we'll, we'll let you fly free. But we were wondering, do you see this book at all intersecting with Woodland's Dark and Days Bewitched, your award-winning folk horror documentary? And then our sort of follow-up to that is, you mentioned, you know, film programmers do a lot of bits related to the book. Would you ever consider doing a documentary on like House of Psychotic Women and like programming a giant box set so that we could all just <laughs> gobble it up? Well, I think like for folk horror, I don't see a lot of intersection other than the depth of research. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for me with the folk horror film, it was definitely important to have a lot of titles represented in the film and have a lot of obscure things that maybe people hadn't heard of that they could try to seek out. But it was also very important to me that the film not just be listy, you know, and right. that it, that that we actually ask questions like, why is this like this? Where does this come from? You know, what effect does this have? And so I, so I wanted it to kind of function in both ways. And so I think that is the similarity that it has to the book, you know, and it's the same as my Christmas horror book. I did a, I edited a book called Yuletide Terror. It also mm -hmm. has that kind of structure where it's got essays and then it's got like the appendix at the end with a million movies in it. And so that is a structure I like because I feel like it kind of hits a couple of different pleasure centers for people reading it or whatever. But then in terms of House of Psychotic Women, like making a documentary like Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitch, I just, I don't know that I want to do it because for me, House of Psychotic Women is so is connected 
to the personal stuff, mm, you know, mm. it's, it isn't just about the movies. And so I, you know, I have actually pitched it as a series, but I've pitched it as a narrative series, you know, right, okay. everyone has rejected it. It's been optioned by a few companies that have let the option expire and not done anything with it, but you know, I feel like it's kind of run its course. So like all kinds of other shows and films and everything that are out now that are doing kind of the similar things to what was in the pitch that I had prepared originally. And now I feel like the show that I had <laughs> planned would seem totally derivative of all these other uh, shows. Yeah. So, so I'm just, I have kind of lost my enthusiasm for it, but I mean, I would be on board if somebody else wanted to make like a house of psychotic women movie or series or whatever, you know, like I'm open to hearing people's ideas. I think I'm just sort of done with trying to do anything with it. I mean, yeah. very fair. That that sounds like a very frustrating process. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, as far as releasing movies with it, Severin Films did release a box set of like four movies that were kind of rarities from the book. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if that box set does okay, maybe they'll do another one, you know, but it all depends on like if people buy the first one. Right. Yeah. But also a lot of the films in the book are owned by other companies, you know, they're out mm -hmm. from other companies. So it's not as simple as just picking all the movies you want and putting them in a box set, you know, like a lot of them are owned by other people who have their own plans for them. So, yeah. Well, we got one more question just to close you out. It's a, hopefully a softball question, but um, if, if you could recommend out of the many films that are in your book, two or three of the films that you think are must watches that you would just really want people to see, which ones would you select? I mean, like, I feel like the obvious ones, you know, like Possession, The Brood, mm -hmm. Antichrist. I feel like that these are just kind of like, you know, the ones that people would think of anyway. But some of the ones that, that are my favorites in the book, mm -hmm. like especially like of stuff that I just added to the new edition. Yeah. Uh, Sophia, Sophia Takal's movie, Always Shine. Oh, yeah. I absolutely yes. adore. I also love Ben Kreshman's movie, Sun Choke. And I love Oz Perkins' movie, um, The Black Coat's Daughter, or February. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I think The Black Coat's Daughter is like a perfect movie. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I feel like there's tons in there. And then there's older older ones that I just added for the first time this time, like like Identikit, which Severin did release in that box set. It's like a movie with Liz Taylor that, for whatever reason, had just never had a proper release. And she hmm. just gives this totally bonkers performance in it. And she's great. <laughs> fantastic oh, well thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to uh, chat with us about this again love the book it's fantastic and um i, I guess people can buy it what in pretty much any online retailer now right yeah now it's on amazon and everything so you can get it from fab press directly which has some special bells and whistles with it there's like a cd and it comes with a signature plate and stuff like that or you can Ooh. get it from amazon um anywhere and it, and or from bookstores but it doesn't come with that stuff yeah right and Kayla, people want to get a hold of you to talk to you about how great their experiences are reading the book. Uh, is there a way for them to reach you? Well, you can either go to the House of Psychotic Women website, which is just houseofpsychoticwomen.com, um, or to my personal website, kaylajanice.com, which is just the spelling of my name.com. Fantastic. We'll be sure to link to both of those. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thanks so much for talking with us today. And safe Yeah, travels. no problem. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah and have Bye. a safe trip <laughs> all right thank Bye. you Bye. Mm -hmm.